Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Circuit Riders Podcast. I am Steve McVeigh. We are sitting in the living room of Doug Rutledge, uh, leader of Crossroads Farm, and we have Michael Houle with us from Small Town USA uh, with the Vineyard Movement. Every once in a while in the background in our podcast, you might hear these chimes going off. It's this beautiful clock over here. You you have a beautiful home, Doug. I really appreciate your hospitality. Thank you. Pastors, we have been talking about the shift of going. Thank you. Thank you. That was pretty simple. Thank I did. You. Thank I did you. all the decorating right, myself. You're actually. welcome. And, and, and Doug would yes. like to take complete credit for this. It's yeah. been an honor. No, yes. no but it's, they've been amazing. They really have. And they can teach probably anybody about what hospitality looks like. I true, has, true hospitality. Yeah, that's you, even a because if you thing. come if you come to my house, we have the gift of non hospitality. Mm. Um, you know, here's your glass of water. Um, <laughs> there's I, the bedroom. There's the bedroom. I hope you can find a light, and the bathroom is somewhere down the hall. Okay. Yep. There's a bathroom <laughs> on the right. I so aren't you welcome to come to my house now? Can I segue to the, uh, so, uh, you know, the hospitality thing? So we have a standing policy here at the house, uh, and any kid with notification of their parents, so sometimes there are struggles, they can stay, they can stay with us for three days. So any kid can do that. Wow. Uh, right. Wow. Um, and That's we amazing. notify their parents. So we, we had this one parent who came by our house. Their uh, daughter had been staying here and they pulled up because there were some real struggles and um, they delivered something that was pretty interesting. Uh, they delivered the, this is tragic, but they delivered um, cheese sticks, cheese sticks. So, you know, the deep fried cheese sticks. You don't have to explain that to a Wisconsin uh, no, guy. I appreciate that. Deep fried cheese. And a uh, a can of the Frito Lay's cheese mm. and pop like it was Pepsi or something. Were they from Wisconsin? No. Okay. And here's the here's the deal. They said we don't know. We know you're religious and stuff. So and we didn't stuff. know if you had if you were allowed to drink pop or whatever. I'm, I'm not <laughs> kidding. Yeah. And Are I, you? And, well, <laughs> and I said, so what's the can of cheese for? Because you know cheese. Yeah. And they said it's to dip the cheese sticks in. <laughs> of course. Uh, have you never heard of that? It's actually, you should use some pepper sauce. Hey, double, oh, my goodness. I'm doubling up on the cheese. Doubling the cheese. Yes. Well, the, you have we cheese sticks. Cheeses. It, you have cheese, cheese sticks and cheese curds, deep fried cheese curds. We together. have both. It's an amazing thing, gift of the Wisconsin people. Um, by the way, you, Doug, you do not have to call my parents. If I stay three days, it's okay. I just want to let you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, <laughs> and pastors, you have logged on to this podcast to learn about rural ministry. And cheese. And cheese. And so we have accomplished half of our mission already. I think You've learned some things about cheese. 
we have been talking about how (laughs) we have been talking about how a rural pastor is really a missionary and and pastors we just before we jump into this next subject which is engaging the community last last podcast we talked about learning the community you know i just sort of feel there's a sense in which i feel like we're just piling on with pastors that this has been you are really really busy let me give you though around 50 other areas where you're failing and could do better so so what would you say to that pastor you're saying i'm turning this off right now because steve's about to tell me one more thing i need to do i i would say uh that's not what we're doing we're not saying this is one more thing you have to add to your already busy platter Uh, What we're saying is look at your workload, determine what you're actually doing. I think we're giving you the things you're supposed to be doing. And that sounds uh, dictatorial. It's not. What I'm saying is if we are redefining what it means to be a missionary in a rural context, then there are a lot of things that we as pastors, as spiritual leaders in our community do rote. We do it because we were trained to do it. We were used to doing it. And we're saying this is the work of the rural pastor. And that's the point of hope. Very simply, I know it sounds like a simple statement, but... This is where you get your hope now. I, I've, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you've been really hopeful coming out of COVID, but yeah. I know a lot of people haven't been. Yep. And if you're hopeful, great, we're, we're happy for you. Like that's great. But this is the shift that's going to need to be, and that should give you hope, not make you stress. And I mean that in a very kind way, because if you get to shift for this, you're going to get to see, I think, what God's doing not in your life alone, but in your church's life, but in your community, and that's where we're headed today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in my experience, I'm just going to talk about my experience as we get started. The number one way to engage a rural community, junior high and high school sports, ladies and gentlemen, that is the way to a community's heart, especially the smaller. Too old to play. (laughs) Well, not only that, coach, not only that. (laughs) Um, there's more to it, Doug, but we're not going to talk about that right now. But going to games is time-consuming, but it is without a doubt the number one thing a missionary would Cold do boy. if they were coming into Absolutely. rural culture. You know, the funny part is is high school football is talked a lot about in Texas. And if you're from Texas, you know what I mean. But Wisconsin football is not far behind it. We're, we are a football-obsessed state. By the way, we do have the greatest franchise in the history of sports, the Green Bay Packers. If you didn't know that, you've learned something new today. Um, what sport is that? That's football for the you um, Detroit Lion fans. Um, we pray for you guys. I've and heard that Adrian Rogers is really good at Jeopardy. Aaron Rodgers. Adrian Rogers. Uh, whatever his name Aaron is. Aaron Rogers. Yeah. Well, I, I, so anyways, high school football, I'm, I'm going to ignore that. He's also very good at Jeopardy. He is. High school football is like king. And a Friday night football, Friday night lights is really true. And getting to a football game and sitting next to families you know and being connected, like the place you could rob most of Chippewa Falls on a Friday Absolutely. night. And we're not even that good. You want? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to knock our team, but we're not like we've won a lot of titles or anything. Yeah. But it's that important. And the place is, like, especially the opening games or homecoming. Homecoming is still important in rural America. Yep. Um, those games really matter. Yep. And I tell, I tell my wife, so we'll, we'll go to a game. And even when my kids were playing, I'm, I'm older now, I have a granddaughter, but um, she's not quite sports age yet. I would tell my wife, we'd sit there for a little while, I'm going to be romantic, I'm going to buy her a hot dog. I mean, that's, that's a rural <laughs> and, and date. Po- and popcorn, maybe? And popcorn. Woo. That's a rural date. <laughs> wow. But then I just turn to her and say, I'm going to go calling. 
Okay, which is an old word, mm-hmm. you know, where you used to go house yep, to house. Yep, yep. I become a social butterfly. Is there a sound effect for that, Mike? There is not. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But no. I become a social butterfly, and literally I walk around that stadium right. and connect with family after family after family. And then if, you, if, you, if you're too tired to walk, here's what I've learned. Station yourself by the fence by the gate, because there's usually someplace by the gate and the fence, and you stand there and you get to meet everybody. You're almost a second greeter. And you meet everybody walking in. Someone's going to stop and talk to you. Someone's going to stop and talk to you. Someone's going to stop. Like it becomes almost a line of people. It does work both ways. And honestly, it can work for high school basketball. It can work for hockey. Yes. It can work for volleyball. It works for all of us. We don't have hockey here in Hills. Yeah, but I, I mean, wish, wish we did. We, we, do we don't actually have hockey in Kansas actually, because oh, we're a lot are warmer it. than you guys. So but yes. you, know, you're, you are missing a little bit of it. We have extra cooperative. It takes four schools to make a hockey team. But hey, it works for us. Absolutely. The second thing that I would say, and this is just advice of how to get connected to a community, see if there is a service club that you mm-hmm. can be a part of. And and I'm going to say that maybe like the more co-vocational you are, uh, so so like if you're co, let's start with this. If you're co-vocational, your job is your gateway into that community. I right. mean, use it that way, see it that way. But if you have the ability to join the Lions Club, to be a part of the Rotary, Kiwanis, uh, to volunteer with the like, we have a volunteer fire department. Find those service communities right. where I mean, you know, and and get to know those people. You will get you'll the presentations. I mean, and I want to tell you, is it like when I first started this rural journey? You know, I was thirty some years old by when I moved to to Lamont. I want to tell you, it seemed like a bunch of hokey old men. Okay, just to be honest, in those groups, yeah. but you learn so much about the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and all those of the service opportunities are there. Maybe your schools have a mentoring program too. Here's another thing that I, a lot of schools do have. And a lot, I've told a lot of pastors to do this that they do. A mentoring program is real simple. Usually you come in one half hour once a week and you hang out with an at-risk student. Not, not only do you hang out with that at-risk student, you get to talk to the staff, you get to meet teachers that way. Any way you can kind of get into the schools, because the school is still the hub of most rural areas and just a great way to serve your community as well. Absolutely. Mm. And also then, and just another idea is to find a place maybe, and we talked about this in the last, uh, the last podcast a little bit about finding a diner or a coffee house, but find a place where you can be once a week at about the same time so that you become a staple of that. Oh oh yeah. Like that's pastor Steve and he is going to be drinking coffee at such and such a time at the diner. You know, you know, and that's the second year, Doug. But you know, the interesting part about that is I did that right away, and all of a sudden I started pastoring the coffee house. Absolutely, and it becomes really funny. The workers and the people would come to me, and not that we did this in purpose, but uh, two of our key leaders used to work at the coffee house, and they, they moved on to different jobs, but they are key leaders in our church. And just simply because of interacting to me for like two years, yep. they got interested in church. In fact, I didn't even invite one. She's my be- our best preacher in our church. I didn't even invite her to church. I forgot one day to an event. She said, aren't you going to invite me, Mike? And now she's like probably the best evangelist we have in our church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. incredible. I, th- I think uh, this is a side note, but at least get to know your server's names because they're going to be there tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Like, you know, absolutely. Get to know people's names for, for oh, Pete's sakes. Did yes. I mention that you need to smile in the community and you need to tip your server? But anyway, oh, wow. yeah. So so this goes... Go, go I on. have one such about tip, okay? A new pastor came in. I won't say what the denomination into our real town. 
he didn't understand it was a tip jar. He kept taking money out to help pay for his coffee out of the tip jar. Are you kidding? So what I started doing was replacing that money. (laughs) He would take $2 out. I put four in because I didn't want people to get us a bad rep. That's literally became the routine. The girls would wait for me. He'd pull $2 out, pay for his coffee, and I'd walk up and put $4 in. It cost me some money every time he was there. Did you ever just say to him, by the way, do you know that's a tip jar? Oh I got God. awkward after a point. I probably should. It just got weird. I was just helping oh me. Yeah, like, so, so this here's the thing that I want. I want Free to, money, yo. I want to bring a spiritual <laughs> dynamic to this, okay? Because I am not just trying to be a friendly guy. Right. I am a missionary. Mm-hmm. So there is an attitude, and I just want to run through this really quickly. Yeah. It, whether it's whether you're at the ball game, whether you're at the diner, whether you're volunteering with the fire department, pray first. Mm-hmm. Pray, Lord, yeah. who can I connect with today? What hearts are open today? Mm-hmm. I'm not just here. I am here to bring the gospel, and I need to be open to that. So I need to have an attitude of a learner then. I, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I need to have this curiosity. I need to ask people questions, hear their stories. I have to have a servant mentality. If I see something like you were talking with that tip jar, I mean, if I see something that needs to be done, and I can just do it right then. I do it. And guys, I have to be friendly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and then be a storyteller. Yeah. I yeah. mean, be someone so that like you're interesting. I mean, because the theme of this is engage your community. Not simply be seen in the community, but engage it. Absolutely. You're not the gift to your community. Correct. Uh, um, just by We're going not, to the, by the way. Uh, no, you know, by going to the diner, um, I developed a relationship and that and and my server uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through cancer, and she was a younger woman. I, I'm telling you, that that rocked me the way it should because we lost a friend. Absolutely. I think that you know this concept of tipping. This is their livelihood as diner waitresses. Nobody's yes. dropping thirty dollar tips. Right. And uh, I had a mentor. His name was Don Loney, and he said this: Look, if five bucks makes the difference between how that woman feels when she goes home and how she feels about Jesus, I'm dropping the five bucks Absolutely. extra. I, I, we, always, we always look at it from the perspective of, that what, what they said, the bare minimum, we're well above that on purpose because it's not that many more dollars at the end of the day in these local restaurants. And you can bless the socks out of somebody and they're thrilled. And, um, and it's really just a great way to express things. Also, I leave a fake 20 that's a track. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. You had to go there, didn't wow, you? Wow, you went there, <laughs> didn't so, you? Okay. So Stop ter- doing that. In terms oh. of stories, in I terms of stories. every time. Pastors, if you're going to be an engage, if you're going to be an engaging person and be on mission, you need to be able to be a, to tell stories, but there are three specific stories, and I got these from Gary Romeyer. He tells this to church planters, mm. but a missionary is a church planter, and yep. yeah. and and pastors need to learn from church planters because we are in a new world. Mm. Three stories I need to be able to tell in a pretty succinct way the gospel story. I I mean that sounds simple, but pastors. Let's be let's be really straightforward about this. We think we're better than we are. Exactly. Let's refine the gospel story. I need to be able to tell my gospel story. I, I think the old word was testimony, but I should be able to explain to people how it is that God has become my focus, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, those right. types of things. And then if you're truly engaging as a missionary for your church, could you tell your church's story? Yeah. 
And some would say tell the vision. I mean, well, you've got to you've got to frame this in a way that matters. But but like someone who doesn't know anything, someone who doesn't know anything about church, could you tell them your church story? Absolutely. And I and I think the the key is is you should have three versions of each. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm dead serious about this. So you have that one when you know the person's in a rush. So they come from work. They say, "How are you?" But they get, you got like two, three minutes of your time. And I don't. I'm not going to take the elevator stuff. Like that's the old school. But like you should have a version that's a little shorter, a version where you got a little more time, and a version where you can sit down for an hour of somebody and give each one of those stories. And by the way, you can cast your vision for a church in story form, and that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And so, mm. then, then really, sort of the last thing that I want to bring out about this is as you're engaging the community, here's what begins to happen: crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And crisis, if I've been engaging the community, crisis opens the door for something amazing. And so, Doug, you were talking about what should a rural pastor do when they hear the fire whistle? Yeah, this is this is a spiritual engagement. It's not just yes. engagement on a personal level. Hey, I we're eat missionaries. at the same time. Right. And uh, so we hear the, uh, the community fire alarm go off, uh, calling our volunteer fire workers uh, into, into work, and which means this. It means something's burning. Um, as a victim of a fire here at this home, uh, and th- I'll tell you, you need to, if you've never lived through mm-hmm. a personal house fire, that is a trauma that you can't <laughs> explain to other people. Right. Um, but every time that fire alarm goes off, I hear that that resonates with me, and I'm doing two things. I'm praying for the family that is losing their home or their business right now. Yes. Uh, or the accident that just may have cost someone their life. And I'm praying for the safety of our fire workers because they're friends and they're Absolutely. neighbors. Yep. These are real people that I really love yeah, and absolutely. I really care about and I'm really concerned and I want Jesus to spare them long enough so that I can share the gospel. And I yes. expressed to them that I was praying for them. And then what happens in crisis is we begin to discover just how engaged and how needed we are. I would like, I know we've gone a little long, but Michael, I've heard you tell a story before, but you engaged a community. You and I say Chippewa Falls because I'm not from there and I can't say Chippewa. anything right. I say elementary. We learned that earlier. Right by Lake Winnemusaki. Wim- it's oh. Wasoda. What's Wasoda. Wasoda. You say it like that. Yes. Soft. So, Wasoda. Anyway, we better move to the story. Okay. Michael, your church was the cause of a fire whistle one time, a fire alarm. And the response to that told you that you had engaged the community. Tell us that story real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Wrap I'll, I'll wrap up real quick. Um, the interesting part about that story is this. So we uh, were in a land contract. It was an old abandoned. It had been three different things. Like at one point it became a health club. But, you know, you go through buildings like that, right? A big old building. And we had a fire, an explosion overnight. It's the electrical failed. Actually, we are on fire from Saturday night under the ground till Tuesday morning. So our church was literally on fire for God on Sunday morning service, which you think about that, that's a little different. Well, you are charismatic. We are a little charismatic. And so the fire is going on, and uh, and we, I get a call at 3 in the morning from one of our church members saying, hey, Michael, the, the building's burning. And I get there, and you have this like stunned look of your face. Like, like fire is a weird reality. I don't yeah. know how to explain it. it other than if you've been through it, if you haven't, it's like until you've been through something like that, there's just no grid to put it on unless you've been through it. And so I'm sitting there watching the, watching the building burn, going, I don't know what to say or do. And as the building was smaller and went out, and we were trying to figure things out, and by the way, the miracle of God, we didn't have to cancel anything. 
but I got a call from our, our, our town mayor who goes to our church, dear friend of mine, mentor, spiritual mentor to me, actually, um, works on their job, of course. He called laughing, and I said, Greg, I love you, my friend, my brother. This is not funny. He goes, yeah, it is, because here's why. The town council, each one of the members, no, we're not a big town council, but each one of them called him after they heard our building was on fire, freaked out that we were going to close our building because they needed the Vineyard Church in Chippewa Falls. Now, we're not a big church. We're not a pot, you know, styling type church, but they knew we cared about the community and that you know they cared about us now. And that shows how engaged you were. Because of that. Yep. And so you engaged through service in, in this attitude so, of prayer and all of those things that we've talked about. Absolutely. And that morning, and the last thing I want to share with you, so we had a food, we've had, we have a food pantry in our church, and we had food pantry scheduled that night. And I remember the Lord just since inside me, I shouldn't cancel it. And I'm looking and going, loaves and fishes I know, read my Bible enough. I haven't found ashes and loaves yet. I don't know. Maybe you guys have found that. I, I've read the Bible quite a few times. I can't quite find ashes and loaves. He gives beauty for ashes. Right. That, that, yeah. But that's about as far as I could find it. There was no other connections. And the town had rallied around and collected bags of groceries. And that night, because of the town, because we had engaged them, they engaged us back. And we could re-engage our community within hours after the fire, within eight hours, and we had our food pantry out in the parking lot, believe mm, it or not. Absolutely. So, pastors, you're listening to this. Think about how much time you spend engaging your congregation. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's important. You're called to be a shepherd of the sheep, but you are a missionary. Maybe it's time for you to shift your focus just a little bit to engaging the community. And we're going to take that to a deeper level in this next podcast as we really talk about like getting into a community in a deeper way scripturally. Mm-hmm. But for, for right now, I'd like you, Pastor, to just think, who do I need to engage? How do I need to engage? If you aren't going to, to ball games, at least start going to one or two of them. Take a step in that direction and see if the Lord doesn't confirm it. Because, Pastor, y- the message you have matters too much to this community for you not to engage this community. You're called there for that. So, so right now, write it down. <laughs> what is one thing you need to do to engage your community in a deeper way? We love you guys. We believe in you. Your mission matters, and you matter to God and to your community. You be blessed today. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page 
or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.